0: You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. The place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. So what do we take away from Week 10? The biggest thing I take away is there is a lot of pissed off and ticked off people after all that transpired on Sunday. And don't take my word for it because I'm not just making that up. Top of the breaking news is Doug Peterson is ticked off at losing to the Giants. And I hear you, Doug Peterson. I am pissed off at you losing to the Giants, too. You were supposed to win that game. And it looks like the Eagles were starting to come around and show that they're at least the best team in the AFC East. And they you know, improve on that abysmal record and at least prove that they're a playoff team. And no, they didn't. Uh, They go into New York and just get annihilated by the Giants. And I know the score was kind of close, so it wasn't like it was a total blowout. But it might as well have been because the Giants from front to finish totally took it to the Eagles. The Eagles didn't look competitive, Daniel Jones running all over the place, looking like Lamar jackson and uh yeah, the Giants were the better team, and there's a lot to not like about this a f c e or sorry n f c east this n f c east is uh yeah it's it's like uh, you know the cream rises to the top in in this case it's like the oil rising to the top like what crappy team can be the the best and just you know pull ahead you know at the end of the season to make the playoffs um but yeah when you have all four of your teams probably being you know top 6 of the worst teams in football uh, that's that's a really bad sign but staying on that theme of being uh, pissed off Lamar Jackson says the Ravens are pissed off after losing to the Patriots and I hear you, Lamar, because I am pissed off, too. The The Patriots weren't supposed to win this game, even being at home. You know, I did think it was going to be close, but there's no, the Ravens have no business losing that game. And if I were a part of the Ravens organization, I would be pissed off as well. The Patriots were able to, and I can't even say bottle up Lamar. Like, Lamar didn't have a horrible game. I mean, it wasn't a monsoon, so I think that helped. But that should play to the Ravens' strengths, because they're a running team. They can't pass the ball. And here we go, getting Willie Sneed two receiving touchdowns in a monsoon. Um, I just it defies logic. And and then actually, other news related to that game: Nick Boyle, Nick Boyle's leg bent away that I've never seen a leg bend before, and it was gruesome. It was, you know, it was one of those ones where you don't even want to watch it. And then I proceeded to watch it like 20 times on Twitter because it was everywhere you went. It's like, everyone's like, oh, everybody needs to see this. I just saw this. Now everybody needs to. And I didn't want to see it at all. I didn't want any part of it. And it was all in my face all night on Twitter. I feel bad for Nick Boyle. I think the only positive I can take away from this, because obviously he's done for the season is that Nick Boyle is a blocking tight end and they're really gonna miss him this year in regards to how effective their run blocking is but I I think on top of that one of the big things uh, with Nick Boyle is I'm hoping that this injury doesn't ruin his career at all Uh, I mean it was that bad and him being a blocking tight end if he strengthens that strengthens that leg I don't see a big drop in production for him for next year um Mm -hmm you know, depending on that strength of that leg. So, uh, well, I'm hoping, I'm wishing the best for him, but, man, you really hate to see an injury like that. Speaking of injuries, we'll get right on the theme of injuries. Drew Brees has multiple fractures on his ribs, both sides. Both sides, not just one. He has it on both sides. So, you know when you have, like, a bruised rib or a broken rib? uh, I mean, I guess not everyone's had a broken rib, but it's really hard to breathe, and every time you breathe, it kind of hurts. It feels like something's just stabbing you in the lung. Well, he had it on both sides, on multiple. So I couldn't imagine trying to play an NFL game where you really can't breathe. And Drew Brees really couldn't breathe because on top of that, he punctured his lung. So you have two, you know, you have broken ribs on both sides. You have a punctured lung. And he went to the sideline talking to Sean Payton. And he's like, you know, something just doesn't feel right. And you know what probably doesn't feel right? Broken ribs and a punctured lung. That can't feel right. So, Jameis Winston had to go and finish the game, and that's, you know, moving forward. Who knows how long Drew Brees is going to be out, but I'm expecting it to be, you know, a little bit, at least, you know, a month. Broken ribs are nothing to mess with, and especially a punctured lung. Uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor, you know, had a doctor that punctured his lung, and he was out for about a month before he was ready. So, I can't expect Drew Brees to uh, beat that timeline. And that's unfortunate because the Saints, they're playing good and they look like a legitimate Super Bowl contender. But uh, you're hoping that Jameis Winston can uh, hold the reins down a little bit until he's able to get back because they have some tough matchups uh, happening and they need to uh, position themselves, uh, you know, for the, their playoff run. Moving on, this is outside the box a little bit. Has to do with the Giants. DeAndre Baker charged with armed robbery. It was dropped. The plaintiffs' lawyer was arrested for extortion. So, imagine being an NFL player. Everyone saying you robbed everyone at gunpoint, and then the lawyer saying, "Oh, you pay us money and everything will be dropped." Well, uh, you know, it's it's a sad case um, that a lawyer would do that. And it's good news that he was arrested. And now everyone's talking. You know, especially Giants fans, like, "Oh, can we take him back now and have him as part of our roster?" And if I'm a Giants fan, I'm not counting on that because here's the thing with the Giants. I think the the two biggest things with the Giants is they drafted him and realized pretty quickly that it was a mistake. Uh, he has really big character issues. He didn't like to practice, for one. Like you're a rookie and you don't like the practice, like get out there and prove yourself. He did, had no interest in proving himself. He didn't want to practice. He's known to be a bad teammate. I don't see the Giants reaching back into that pot and saying, hey, let's give him a chance. I just think they cut ties, and they're going to move on from their mistake, which, you know, that's what they should do. That's exactly what they should do. Uh, having said that, though, n- not this year. I don't think it will happen this year, but definitely next year. There's going to be a team that's going to take a chance on him because regardless on how bad of a person you are or as bad as a teammate you are, if you can play football at least somewhat respectably, there will be somebody that will come to have you play on their team, and especially at cornerback, where you look around the league and it's an offensive league right now. You know, all the rules are designed to have an explosive offense. Anyone that can cover a receiver right now is a hot commodity. So, someone's definitely going to be taking a chance on him and trying to get him onto their roster in the off season. Uh, the Browns. This is COVID news, unfortunately. Browns are closing their facility due to COVID. They had a positive COVID test, so they're out of commission for who knows how long, but, you know, it's just going to be remote practice and meetings and and those type of things. And um, this might be a good thing for the Browns, you know, like rest up, get some mental reps in, Uh, you know, maybe the mental reps will be better off than the physical reps for the Browns. And, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're on the outside looking in for the playoffs and it's like the Titans are, which are surprising with, with a record like that. So they have some important games, and this just doesn't come at a good time for the Browns. And, you know, I don't blame the Browns for this. This is happening at quite a few facilities around the NFL, and it's unfortunate that uh, it's going to take away from the game preparation. The Dolphins, they released Jordan Howard, and this was kind of a mutual thing. Jordan Howard wasn't happy with his role. He was inactive, and then when Miles Gaskins went to IR, you thought you'd see more Jordan Howard, and instead uh, Salvan Ahmed and... uh, uh, I'm trying to think of everyone's name. Oh, Matt Breida. You know, they're, they're taking over the role, and Jordan Howard's like, man, I'm still not getting any action. So he's released. Doesn't cost the Dolphins any uh, any cap money, and this is good for both sides. The Dolphins can move on from the free agent mistake of signing him, and Jordan Howard can get work somewhere where he's, more, he's needed. And Jordan Howard's not necessarily a bad running back, he just wasn't producing in Miami and he really didn't have a role for Miami so it was just those two things together really uh, you know just wasn't a good fit and sometimes that happens in the NFL Christian McCaffrey's gonna miss week 11 against Detroit to a shoulder injury this is ridiculous I mean weeks 11 especially uh, you thought he was gonna be only missing a week and Mike Davis would only be like a one-week stopgap that's not the case he's going to miss this week too and this is a prime matchup against Detroit this is the type of matchup where you want whatever you can get from McCaffrey like this is one that he dominates he's not going to be able to dominate anymore Uh, (laughs) maybe Mike Davis will be able to dominate the Detroit Lions are horrible at defending the running back they give up a lot of passing yards to the running back McCaffrey does both of those well and it's kind of a wasted opportunity if you're a McCaffrey owner because now He's not even gonna be part of that matchup. And I probably would have played him in all my FanDuel lineups with this type of matchup. And I guess that's gonna to go to Mike Davis now. Um but speaking with the Carolina Panthers on that, Teddy Bridgewater also is going to be okay. He had his MRI on his knee. You know, they they worried that it might be something structural. Luckily it wasn't the knee that he hurt when he was with the Vikings. And it came back negative. So he just has swole you know, his knee swollen, he has some bumps and bruises. Uh And they're saying he's questionable to return. But I'll tell you what, even though he's questionable to return, I don't think that's going to be a problem. If there's no structural damage and it's just bumps and bruises, he's going to play. I mean, he's the quarterback of the team. You're not going to sit him, especially with the Panther situation. You know, you're you're short McCaffrey. You don't want to be short your quarterback as well. Um, You know, P.J. Walker's sitting there, probably getting all the practice reps this week, feeling pretty uh happy at the prospect of maybe playing this week but I don't think it's happening Teddy Bridgewater is playing this game you know it's against Detroit and on top of that I think he has a monster game Uh, this is a a good matchup for him and uh yeah I wouldn't let this knee injury uh, scare you off of uh thinking that he's not going to play this week really quick doing our week 10 recap and it was a lot of crazy games fantasy football wise I think this is one of the worst weeks I can remember in regards to people not meeting their projections or expectations but just watching the games and you know how entertaining they were that was something to see there's a lot of good (laughs) a lot of good football and obviously the game of the week had to be that Bills Cardinals game I mean we talked at, we've talked. we already talked about it a lot, but, I mean, the fact that Josh Allen threw that pass to Stephon Diggs towards the end of the game, and you think that's it, that that was going to be the winner, only for Kyler Murray to just, you know, chuck the ball 50 yards to uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who reaches up through the heavens to snag this ball from 800 Buffalo Bills was just something to see. It was a really good catch, really good game. And it was a lot of fun. Outside of that, the other games were the Patriots upset the Ravens. Patriots, man, they're starting to win. They looked good. They beat a really solid Ravens team, and they're rising up. I mean, I, I think if the Patriots can uh, you know, keep playing like they did uh, on Sunday night, that they could uh, get into the playoff hunt. And, of course, they're playing against uh, the Bills, and the Dolphins fighting for that division title if they're able to pull that off this will be the best division title the Patriots have ever won because they don't really have that much talent to be competing and I'm not saying they will but they're only a couple games from you know a couple wins from being able to do that uh... Ravens they're on the other side people are predicting them to go undefeated this year maybe lose just a couple games and they are just getting manhandled. People are stacking the the box, stopping them from running, forcing them to pass. And they can't. They can't do it. Uh, Lamar Jackson's not accurate enough. Hollywood Brown can't get open enough. And Hollywood Brown's even, uh, even worse because then, you know, he has these little side tantrums. Like, he needs to be a weapon. Well, get open, Hollywood Brown. If you want to be a weapon, get open. I realize that Lamar Jackson can't always hit you with his... He's not that accurate, but you're also not getting open, and you're, uh, yeah, you're, you're just, uh, you can't find the, the soft spots in the zone. You're, you're not tough, you're getting pressed and covered up by stronger defenders, and uh, yeah, it's just not a, a good deal right now for the Ravens. I mean, all they really got to do is defend Mark Andrews, stop the run, and it's a wrap, and too many teams are starting to realize that. I will say it's not over yet. The Ravens still, believe it or not, have a chance to uh, win the AFC North. The Steelers need to start losing some games, though. Uh, luckily, they play in a couple weeks, so that could be the start. But, uh, yeah, they're they're running out of games. And right now, they're in a playoff spot. Uh, if they lose too many more of these games, though, they're going to be out of the playoffs completely. So it could go either way. The, like I said, they could win the division. But uh, right now... I'm looking at them just trying to make the playoffs because I don't think they'll catch Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, they're, they're starting to get a harder schedule. You know, they got to play Buffalo. they got to play Indianapolis. They play Baltimore again. So the, there's a little bit of hope, but if I'm the Ravens, I'm just trying to make the playoffs right now and uh, salvage the season a little bit. Rams defense, I, I will say that their defense looked dominant. They're fun to watch. Aaron Donald is a beast you know it's like uh he's like the incredible hulk you put no anything in front of him like a whole army in front of him and he just hulk smashes through them and uh, gets to the quarterback i don't you know watching this game seattle's in trouble if they can't improve their offensive line russell wilson is you, you know early mvp uh candidate everyone was talking about how he was going to be the mvp and if uh, you can't protect him, he's not going to be uh, productive. You know, they were able to wrap up D.K. Metcalf. Uh, Russell Wilson spent a lot of time uh, getting hit by this uh, uh, this Rams defense. And, yeah, the, the Rams defense is a joy to watch. I really enjoy watching them. My big gripe, though, and I do have a gripe, is Sean McVay. I am not liking Sean McVay. He's like the modern-day, like, Shanahan or uh, Belichick. Uh, the reason why I say that is Jared Goff. What happened to Jared Goff? He had the prime matchup of the week. Seahawks cannot defend the pass. So you're like, oh, this game is going to be all about Jared Goff. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. they're just going to dominate this matchup. Seahawks aren't going to be able to stop this Rams offense. And none of that happened. They rushed three times. Malcolm Brown got two rushing touchdowns. Henderson got a rushing touchdown. They... You know, Goff still threw for 300 yards, so I'm not saying he didn't throw for any yards, but, you know, in fantasy, the touchdowns is is the bread and butter. Like, we need the touchdowns. So it's almost like, you know, he knew that and was like, well, we're in a spot where we can get a passing touchdown. Let's get Malcolm Brown in there. They won't be expecting that. let's get Malcolm Brown again. They won't expect it a second time. Well, should we get a passing touchdown here? No, let's give it to Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson—they won't expect Daryl Henderson to be getting the ball. They'll think we're passing it. It's almost like, uh, you know, all us novice fantasy footballers know that they should be getting a bunch of passing touchdowns and scores. And uh, so obviously, the the guys that get paid the big bucks, like the Rams coaches, know that too. And uh, they're they're trying to switch it on everybody. Like, well, the whole everyone in their moms knows that this is what we should be doing. So let's do something else. I guess this is a long-winded version of me just saying I'm pretty much done with Sean McVay and his good matchups. He doesn't take advantage of them. He does his own thing. I can't f- blame him because he wins. But uh, when he starts losing, then uh, then it's gonna rear its ugly head of what's Sean doing. He has, you know, he's got to take advantage of his matchups. Uh, well, he, he doesn't have to do that yet and uh but the rams had a nice win. That division is just tight. You have the Seahawks, you have the Cardinals, you have the Rams, and even the fourth place 49ers can beat you at any time. So, that's going to be a fun division to watch in the future. The Buccaneers just go crazy. You know, they, they couldn't do anything the week before against the Saints, and all of a sudden they come guns a blazing with Tom Brady, throwing it all over creation, throwing it to Cameron Brate, Rob Gronkowski. You know, uh, he rushes for a touchdown. Tom Brady was just a one-man wrecking crew. He's got a lot of weapons, though. You like to see it. Godwin, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, and then Aaron Jones on that 98-yard run. I mean, we, we talked about that one already as well. Uh, it's only It's only the fourth 98-plus-yard run in NFL history. He uh, almost got tackled like the 15 and then just was gone. It was uh, was something to see. It was a good performance. I expected the Panthers to play him a little bit close being in the division. But uh, if they can build off of this, the Buccaneers are going to be a dangerous team and really hard to beat. Steelers remain undefeated. Uh, There's not much to talk about in this game. Their defense did what their defense should have done against this Bengals offense, especially this Bengals offensive line. But I got to say, I really like Joe Burrow. He played really bad, but he didn't look rattled or shaken. He was concentrating on the game, looking at the iPad, seeing what he can do the next drive to uh, drive his team down the field and get a score. So you' love to see it. And it's things like uh, it's that poise that uh, he shows during the games that makes you think that uh, he's going to be a really good quarterback. I think the only thing that could ruin the Bengals uh or I should say the only thing that could ruin Joe Burrow is the Bengals. Um they don't always uh you know they're kind of a, a cheap franchise at times and um they really need to invest this op- in this offensive line to uh give uh, Burrow the protection he needs cuz uh he has some good weapons around him and and they could be a, a a pretty solid offense. Dolphins, the matchup between Tua and Herbert, it uh started off strong with the Dolphins scoring two quick touchdowns. Chargers tried to come back, but in true Charger fashion, they fell short and lost again. Um, Tua's not really the story of these games though. I've been really impressed with the Dolphins defense and their special teams. Uh, they've really come on with uh, since Tua has been the starting quarterback. And they've they've won the last three games with Tua, so uh, Tua's going to be a good quarterback. He just needs to get his lumps in. Um, but uh, having that supporting cast the Dolphins are providing has been great. And Jakeem Grant, he's taking over that number two receiving role with uh, Preston Williams being on IR. He got a touchdown, so I I think this is a a good sign for things to come for Jakeem Grant. Saints and 49ers, we don't need to talk about this game very much. We we talked about Kamara already being the GOAT of the week, the the number one, Uh, and he did it only getting 15 yards rushing. But he's just such a big part of the passing game. He scores a lot of touchdowns. I think that will continue now with Jameis Winston being quarterback. They're gonna lean on him even more. So uh forty nine ers are just shorthanded. And the and uh yeah, Drew Brees, we, we talked about this too. Drew Brees got hurt. Um I mean, how bad have you know, getting hit so hard that you break multiple ribs and puncture your lung. Uh this is going to take some time for Drew Brees. We'll we'll see how long he's out, but uh, you really don't like to see it because the the Saints are are playing so well, primed for you know one of the top playoff spots, and it's really going to depend on how fast Drew Brees can get back. The Packers avoided the upset. Jacksonville Jaguars played them pretty well. I, I get the weather was bad and that definitely helps, but um, uh, James Robinson did amazing things he got a lot of yards 100 yard rushing he actually did score a touchdown but it was called back on holding so that was disappointing you hate to see that especially if you had James Robinson in you know your fantasy football lineup Aaron Jones on the other side didn't do as much as what we thought he might do but uh, Aaron Rodgers did for him throwing some of those passes he did in those windy conditions it was great to see and Aaron Rodgers is a stud. Packers are a, a great team with Aaron Rodgers. He, he basically carries that squad. Alan Lazard is going to be coming back. But in the meantime, Marquez Valdez-Scantling did what he did, 175 yards, a touchdown. Um, yeah, there's. Uh, it, was, it was a good all round game for the Packers offense, although, like I said, they were almost upset by the Jaguars. And the Jaguars next week play the Steelers. That's going to be, uh, it makes me think that maybe, you know, everyone thinking that this is going to be a pushover for the Steelers, that uh, that might not be the case. Uh, Raiders win. And what happened to the Broncos? Drew Locke is just, I, you know, you've heard me talk about him, and then he has a good matchup, and I'm about Drew Locke. Like, oh, this is going to be Drew Locke's day. He has a great matchup. Well, I'm kind of done with it. Drew Locke's playing horrible. Jerry Judy is open all day long and they can't get him the ball. Noah Fant is open all day long. Drew Locke cannot get him the ball. So it's really hurting any Broncos player you have in fantasy football. The The Broncos are a really inconsistent team. You know, they'll play solid defense and look good. Looks like they can you know hang with the some of these worst teams that they play. And then they can't. Um, and then, you know, they they play the Raiders, who's division rival, and just got destroyed. And th- the big story of the game was just the Raiders could run all up and down the Broncos without any issues. I mean, Booker did a lot. Jacobs did a lot. Uh, they both got two touchdowns each. It was just embarrassing if you're a Bronco fan. And I thought they were going to make strides this year and be close to the playoffs. I'm looking now like... You know, well, I guess I'm asking myself, should they rebuild? Should they just rebuild again? Try to get another quarterback? Um, you know, Vaughn's probably might get cut at the end of this year. I don't know. It's going to be a completely different uh, Denver Broncos team potentially. And um, that's okay because I'm not liking what I'm seeing right now. The Browns, they won in bad weather. Really horrible game. It made it even worse. Well, I guess it's twofold. Nick Chubb, end of the game, r- had a long touchdown run, striding down the, the sideline. He's going to score. Browns are going to have a ten-point lead. And then he runs out of bounds at the one. And they kneel the ball, and they win the game. Now, I get if the other team can get the ball and can score, which would cost you the game because you're giving them a chance to uh, to have the ball and, and the you know, the closing game. But you're up you're gonna be up by ten points. You're gonna be up by ten points. Is a team really gonna come back with, I don't know, twenty seconds left and get ten points. Um this this is a little bit different than the Todd Gurley situation where he actually should have went down at the one. I mean, if you're a fancy football owner and had Nick Chubb, you had to be screaming at the T V on that one. If you had him in one of your FanDuel lineups or DraftKings you had to be screaming to the heavens, too, uh, about that, uh, about that uh, play. Because <laughs> that's just a touchdown that's off the board that you could have had. And I, I, if you're betting the spread, I mean, the, the Browns basically tied the spread because they had, a th- at least the, uh, when I made the, the call, the Browns had a three, uh, were giving up three points. They ended up winning by three points, so it was a push. If he would have scored that, they would have covered the spread, and a lot of people would have been happy and won money. But no, he, Nick Chubb made sure of it that that didn't happen. So just craziness in that game. But the uh, weather made it pretty uh, a pretty bad game. And it was delayed a little bit, too, because of the weather. It was like a big lightning storm and rain and... Almost what you saw at the New England, you know, the New England Baltimore game, except for more lightning. The Giants surprised the Eagles and control their own destiny. AFC East is really bad. That's all I'll say about that. Eagles didn't look good. You know, Giants didn't look great, but they looked better than the Eagles. I just can't figure out this division. All the teams are top ten, like worst teams, and I, I mean, Wayne Gallman got a touchdown. Evan Ingram didn't do anything for fantasy owners, looked really bad. Rager, you know, he looks promising, but didn't have the game that uh, he could have. Fulgham definitely didn't have the game he could have. It. Uh, Miles Sanders got his touchdowns vultured away by Clement, and then Boston Scott got a long one. Uh, yeah, just watching the NFC East is is not fun. Lions and Washington's game was just as crazy as the Cardinals and the Bills, except for it was with two crappy teams, so no one paid attention to it as much as the Cardinals and Bills. The Washington ties it. Alex Smith drives them down. They kick the field goal. They tie it up. It looks like it's going to overtime. Not a lot of time left. And then Chase Young gets a roughing the passer penalty, and... Lions, you know, they still have their timeout. Able to hit Marvin Jones, call a timeout, and Matt Prater kicks a 59-yard field goal to win the game. Washington loses, and the Lions are victorious. I didn't even think there was enough time for them to go down the field. Sure enough, they do it. Uh, Just, it was insane. Really good game in that regard, but... Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, they both were relevant. Antonio Gibson, because he scored two touchdowns. But uh, that's tough to predict in the future for fantasy football. I'm not so sure I'm starting Gibson and McKissick every game. It's really jumbled in the backfield between those two. And you're really going to be touchdown dependent on their production. So that's always a scary place to be in. Um, When you're looking at the lion side of the ball... I mean Matthew Stafford was supposed to have a bad game so of course he had a really good game and got you know passed for like three touchdowns Marvin Jones, Marvin Hall uh, you know it was just uh, all-around good efforts and then the one guy that was supposed to have a good game Hawkinson did not have a good game Uh, that was basically yeah a big game of opposites everyone that was supposed to do good didn't everyone that wasn't did uh, but uh, yeah, the the Bears just beat or just lost to the Vikings. Vikings are looking better. Their defense is improving, but is their defense really improving, or is just that Bears that bad of an offense? I mean, it doesn't matter what you do, Matt Nagy, uh, Bill Lazor, anyone calling the game. You know, between Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. Nobody, uh, they just can't drive the team down the field. You know, you have these weapons and Allen Robinson um, to no avail. The the offense is stuck in the mud. And Nick Foles got hurt. and It looked like it could be pretty significant. We'll find out tomorrow. But that's something to monitor. You know, Mitchell Trubisky could just be coming right back into the fold and uh, making this Bears offense, you know, or just continuing to make this Bears offense just as bad as it's always been. Because uh, neither guy can really do the, the job right now. I mean, their, their, their lone touchdown they got was on defense. So that says all you need to know about this Bears offense right now. And if you're a Bears fan, you have to be so frustrated to, to watch this. The Burke and Miz go to the week. Here we go. Starting with the quarterback, Goats of the Week, where we name the top three players at each position based off of their fantasy football performance. Number three is the Kyler Murray against the Bills. Kyler Murray, is he was the running back, quarterback, all rolled up into one. He had an amazing game, and I'll be honest, he wasn't going to make this list. He was just outside of it until the one touchdown pass that he had at the very end of the game that I'm sure all of you saw on the highlights, that uh, catapulted him to the number three spot. He was 22 for 32, 245 yards, and that glorious Hail Mary touchdown pass. But uh, his running was just as spectacular. He was you know, slicing and dicing all through that Bills defense. It was a great thing to see. He uh, had 61 yards and two touchdowns rushing. Kind of taking the uh, steam away from Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. Although, to be fair, Kenyon Drake had 100 yards rushing and Edmonds had 56. So, all around, the Cardinals were able just to eat on the ground. <laughs> they had that little picnic because they were eating all over the ground. Uh, between all three of them, they were they were able to do whatever they wanted. And I think that took away from the Cardinals' passing game a little bit. But, you know, if it works, then, you you know, keep doing it. Number two, Tom Brady at the Panthers. And Tom Brady came back from a really bad game the week before against the Saints to just really do whatever he wanted against the Panthers. He threw touchdown passes to everybody. Threw it to Gronkowski. Threw it to Cameron Brait. uh, You know, threw it to Mike Evans. Um, You know, he rushed for a touchdown on a QB sneak doing the uh, the infamous Brady one-yard touchdown sneak. And just an all-around dominant performance. You know, this game was pretty close going uh, towards halftime, and then the uh, Buccaneers defense stepped up. uh, You know, they scored, and then the Buccaneers got an interception, and then uh, the rest is pretty much history at that point. Uh, having said that, uh, Tom Brady was twenty-eight for thirty-nine, three hundred forty-one yards, three touchdowns, and then he ran the ball twice for two yards, and again that touchdown. So uh, you're looking at Ronald Jones, who had the day of of his life. He had a ninety-eight-yard run, which you know we'll get to pretty soon as well. But uh, the Buccaneers were just dominant in this performance, and it being a divisional game, I thought maybe it would be you know a, a little bit close. And it wasn't. I mean, the Panthers definitely were hurt from uh, Cush McCaffrey not being available to them. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, although the beating started happening while he was still in there, it uh, didn't help that he wasn't able to finish the game to at least try to keep it close. And it's so, I mean, the Buccaneers have so many weapons. You look at it: Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronkowski, Cameron Brait, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, that it's uh, it's a fun offense to watch when it's working, you know, on all cylinders. And you wonder what really happened in that Saints game to to have all those weapons and not be able to do anything. But this was the opposite of that. So good on Tom Brady. And uh, for as old as he is, to keep having performances like this, it's like the guy's not aging, and it just defies logic. Ben Roethlisberger for the Bengals. He's our number one star of the week. His Pittsburgh Steelers really destroyed the Cincinnati Bengals. He was 27 for 46 for 333 yards, had four touchdowns, and, you know, I talk about weapons for the Buccaneers. The Steelers are in the same boat. You got Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, uh, Chase Claypool, James Washington, Eric Ebron, uh, you have James Conner, you have everything. And I think the one maybe takeaway of this was they pretty much have given up on the rush, you know. They're they're going, spreading the... uh, Defense is out with, like, four receivers plus Ebron, so it's, like, five receivers, and just picking on different matchups. And uh, it's working. I mean, Roethlisberger didn't even practice all week. That's how dominant his performance was. He was the number one GOAT of the week, and he didn't even practice this week. Uh, Just walked right into the stadium, you know, 27 for 46, 333 yards. No one just does that off their couch, but – Ben Roethlisberger does that, and uh, I, I think this is a great sign for the future in regards to, uh, if you're a Roethlisberger, uh, if you have him on your fantasy football team, there's there's other matchups coming up that are, he can do similar, have similar results, you know, they played Cincinnati again, they're going to be playing Cleveland, uh, they played Jacksonville next week, I mean, it could happen as soon as next week. Uh, I think the only big issue with the Steelers is who's Ben Roethlisberger going to throw to? Like, Who's his big game going to be against? Because uh, he just has way too many targets, and uh, I think that's the tricky part in uh, figuring this whole uh, offense out right now. (coughs) The running back Goats of the Week. We'll start it off with our number three Goat of the Week. It's Ronald Jones at the Panthers. 23 carries, 192 yards, and a touchdown. Had two targets, cut one pass for six yards, and this one was pretty much capped and can be summed up in one run. His 98-yard scamper right up the middle of the Panthers' defense. It looked like he might be tripped up like around the 15-20 yard line or so, but nope, he, he was gone after that, and uh, there wasn't even a doubt in anyone's mind on whether he was going to score. And you love to see it. And this came a week after you were worried about his usage based off of the fumble that he had and how Bruce Arians was scared to use him that uh, you know that game. And we need to stop worrying about Ronald Jones. It doesn't matter. He's the number one back. He's, you know, every, every game he's, well, besides the ones that he fumbles in apparently, he's going to be the main focus of the Buccaneers rushing attack. And this game was just dominant in all facets with Tom Brady being up there and uh, Ronald Jones, they they were able to do whatever they wanted on this Panthers defense. Ronald Jones is just, he's a beast. And it was great to see. Josh Jacobs, this one was a little bit surprising, but the Broncos' rush defense decided not to show up to the game. They uh, kind of packed it in. They turned in their rush defense card before they entered the stadium. Because not only did Josh Jacobs have a great game, but former Bronco, Devontae Booker, had his revenge game and dominated as well. But Josh Jacobs gets the number two GOAT based off of his 21 rushes for 112 yards and two touchdowns. Cut all his targets, four of them, for 24 yards. And Josh Jacobs, it's good to see because he's been a little bit disappointing after his first week. You weren't seeing a lot of uh, dominant play or proof that he deserves to be a number one running back. And in this one, he kind of shut everybody up. So I think you'll see some more performances like this from Josh Jacobs. The Raiders are kind of figuring it out, and if they could rely on the rushing game like this, uh, it kind of takes the pressure off of Derek Carr to, you know, try to get uh, all those yards through the air and uh, make the Raiders one-dimensional. Because the Raiders have looked one-dimensional at times in uh, this season, uh, but they really needed to get Josh Jacobs going, and they did. They did in a, in a big way against these. Uh, Denver ponies, I should say, because uh, they didn't look like Broncos at all in this one. Really bad performance by them. Number one go of the week is we'll see you, Kamara, Alvin Kamara. And he didn't even have a really good game, if you think about it. Like He was non-existent the whole first quarter, didn't even have a stat. You're worried about him, like, is he hurt? What's going on with Alvin Kamara? Why isn't he doing anything? And... I mean, stat-wise, he was eight carries for 15 yards. That's not even two yards a carry. I mean, it's pretty atrocious. And he was able to pull the number one Goat of the Week out from that because he had two rushing touchdowns. And then he was targeted eight times, had seven catches for 83 yards and one touchdown. So if you count it all up, he really had 15 total touches in this game and was able to get three touchdowns out of those 15 touches. So really that comes down to... What every five touches, it's a it's a score. That's pretty impressive, and that's why Alvin Kamara is just on another level. He he doesn't need a lot of touches to be productive, and that's kind of what we talked about before the season. That Alvin Kamara is one of those few backs where you know you're always looking at the opportunities to determine someone's uh, like how consistent and productive they'll be in fantasy football. Alvin Kamara just throws that all out the window. He he had an amazing game. And even a bigger victory in this one with the uh, injury riddle of 49ers. And he, they're going to need him a lot more with Drew Brees' injury. So we could probably be seeing some you know, other pretty dominating games from Kamara after this one. <laughs> Our wide receiver goes to the week. This is really an eclectic group. And... I say that just because there's some names here that you're not expected to see, especially going into the week. And that's okay. I think what really happened was a lot of the wide receiver stats were affected, and production was affected by the weather in a lot of venues. You know, you had the wind in Cleveland, the wind in Green Bay, the wind in Pittsburgh. Uh, just just a lot of things that I think kind of dictated the, uh, the, the pace of play and, and how the game was called. But having said that, Willie Sneed's our number three goat of the week. Yes, I said it, Willie Sneed. Uh, there's no need for me to repeat that. It's, it's Willie Snead. <laughs> he had uh, seven, or he had seven targets, five catches for 64 yards and two touchdowns. What makes that more impressive is the fact that he scored two touchdowns with, you know, being on the Ravens, as they don't target their wide receivers very much and anytime a Ravens wide receiver can get two touchdowns that's significant in itself and not to mention it was in a monsoon I think it's more impressive that a Ravens receiver cut two touchdowns more so than the fact that it was in a monsoon in those type of conditions in New England so good on Willie Sneed. he probably won't ever be here again but here he is and he definitely had a, a noteworthy performance in this one and you know it was it was fun to watch and he was probably the lone bright spot on this Ravens offense, uh, you know, having watched the New England Patriots upset them last night. Number two is DeAndre Hopkins, and this all came down to one final play before that final play. You were thinking that the the Cardinals were going to lose to the bills, and that Hopkins you know only had seventy yards. You were pretty disappointed in his performance, and then you know that fifty yard bomb. In the sea of hands. This was the real sea of hands because I didn't even see DeAndre Hopkins when they showed the play. I just saw a bunch of Bills jumping up for the ball and it's sticking in the middle between them. And then a big pile fell over on top of DeAndre Hopkins. And lo and behold, DeAndre Hopkins is under that pile with the ball. Like, I don't even to this, you know, I've watched the video a hundred times. I still don't know how DeAndre Hopkins caught that ball. And I didn't even see them at all in that whole play. Uh, All I saw was him coming up out of that pile. So, uh, amazing play. It catapulted him to the number two GOAT, though. He was targeted 12 times, 7 catches, 127 yards, and that, well, it will be world-famous touchdown, because I don't think that uh, touchdown's going away anytime soon. In, like, the next 50 years, that's how uh, big of a play it was. My number one GOAT of the week... And he's actually been on here before, I believe. Uh, It it shows how great he is when he has the defense focusing on another receiver besides him. Uh, And this is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Aaron Rodgers didn't, you know, he threw to him six times, which is ho-hum. But, man, was he throwing it deep. And he connected on four of those for 149 yards and a touchdown. The 73, I think it was 73-yard touchdown to him was... Pretty significant right off the bat. And Valdez-Scantling had himself a day. It was enough to catapult him to the number one GOAT of the week. So, good for him. Great performance by the uh, Valdez-Scantling. Not so much by the Packers, as they barely survived the upset against the Jaguars. But, hey, a win is a win, right? That's the way it goes. <coughs> now, the tight end GOATs of the week. This is pretty embarrassing, especially to make the GOAT of the week. Uh, especially the high standards we have for Goat of the Week. The the tight ends were abysmal last week, and then they just doubled down on it this week. There really wasn't any great performances by the tight end. And we're going to mention some today, but overall, just a really weak performance by tight ends in general. And uh I mean we I was thinking about maybe even just canceling the tight end segment of GOATs, but for the integrity of the the segment, I, I just I couldn't do it. So <laughs> number three goat of the week at tight end is the formidable Cameron Brait at the Panthers he had three targets caught all three for 31 yards and he had one touchdown that was enough to catapult him into the number three spot and I get it and he was actually number two he was actually the number two spot I just put him number three because he's the second tight end on the Buccaneers offense that pretty much dominated Number two Goat of the Week is Hunter Henry for the Chargers at the Dolphins. Targeted six times, had four catches for 30 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Again, not a great performance, but uh, he scored a touchdown. So throw him on there, I guess, right? And then number one Goat of the Week is another Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Rob Gronkowski at the Panthers. That's how bad it was. Two tight ends for the Buccaneers made the GOATS of the week. Gronkowski was only targeted three times. He only caught two balls, but he had 51 yards and a touchdown. And, and, you know, he had that one big play where he was caught, you know, uh, inside the 10-yard line. And then the other one was a nice little, like, you know, toss-up play to him that, uh, you know, in the corner of the end zone. Those were only two times we saw Rob Gronkowski, but it was enough to be the best tight end performance of the week. So, you know, I don't know offensive coordinators. We need to game plan a little bit better, throw the ball a little bit more, utilize them a little bit more. Uh, I don't know, regardless. Uh, Not that of an impressive of a week in regards to their production. And, uh... Maybe, and I was actually joking that maybe our goats of the week can also be our ghosts of the week because there's not much discrepancy between the two. Burke and Ms. The Wiz Maltabon, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. Our quarterback ghosts of the week, there was definitely a lot of. Players up for discussion on this one, but our number three ghost of the week was Drew Lock at the Raiders. I don't know what happened to Drew Lock. We keep repping up his matchups like, hey, this could be the one where Drew Lock breaks out and you know he has that fourth quarter magic where he becomes relevant. And there was no fourth quarter magic in this one. There was no magic at all throughout the whole game. Drew Lock against the Raiders was 23 for 47, 257 yards, and he had a touchdown. He also ran the ball twice for seven yards. He actually had a rushing touchdown that was called back, uh, so his day could have looked a little more promising. Might have gotten him out of the, uh, one of the ghosts of the week, but uh, he threw four interceptions, which was not, you know, totally unacceptable. Four interceptions will definitely get you on the uh, ghosts of the week, and Drew Lock just keeps looking worse and worse. I keep having hope for him. You know, oh, good matchups are coming up, you know, this is going to be the, the Drew Lock show, and... It's just not happening. I don't know what's going on with the offense or, you know, if it's his reads or, uh, if you know, I, I, I think he has the capab- uh, capabilities of making throws, but, uh, you know, he, he can't hit Jerry Judy to save his life. Jerry Judy is open all day long, and Drew Lock just can't get it to him. So uh, just just having to watch those games are pretty painful when you see the potential that's there in this offense. Uh, at this point, I would even consider benching Drew Lock. You know, I thought Denver was on the upswing when he came back, and uh, it, it's it's not the case at all. So that was part of the reason why the Raiders were able to dominate was because of the turnovers and the fact that they couldn't stay on the field. It seemed like the Raiders were on the field the whole entire game, which goes to my second ghost of the week. That is Derek Carr against the Broncos. He was 16 for 25, 154 yards, and then ran the ball four times for 10 yards, and he didn't have any touchdowns whatsoever. And that's fine. He didn't really need to throw the ball. So Drew Locke, he was on here because he just really sucked the whole game, and uh, he had 47 opportunities, and he couldn't even connect on, well, barely half of them, a little under half of them. Derek Carr's on here for a completely different reason. They didn't need to throw the ball. They were running all over Denver, you know, Booker and Josh Jacobs. There was no need for Derek Carr to do anything. So it was a disappointing performance, but it's really just how the game, like Drew Locke was so bad that he made Derek Carr ineffective because he didn't need to throw the ball. And uh, that that's sad when a quarterback's so bad that he affects another quarterback on the other team to not be able, to not need to throw the ball. But our number one ghost of the week, he seems to be on here a lot. We like to take shots at him. Baker Mayfield versus the Texans. Granted, the weather was pretty bad, so it wasn't like either quarterback had an amazing game. But he was 12-for-20 for 132 yards, and then had two rushes for a yard. And no touchdowns, but, you know, in this one, uh, they were only able to score one on the ground. Well, should have been two, but we'll get into that later. Regardless, uh, Baker Mayfield versus the Texans, even though they they won 10-7, to 7, It wasn't because of their quarterback play. (laughs) Hello, darkness, my old friend. Jonathan Taylor's on this list again. Which he is because he is our number three ghost of the week at running back. Against the Titans. Ran the ball seven times for 12 yards. Got two catches for 25 yards. Really Jonathan Taylor's being phased out of this offense. Naheem Hines was the stud. He's he got the, you know, all the touchdowns and carries and you know, great for Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines actually had a top five day. But Jonathan Taylor, like, I couldn't figure it out. Like, you know, you, if you've listened to the podcast, you know I haven't been a big fan of Jonathan Taylor. I said it was, you know, he can't pass block, he fumbles, you know, those type of things. But what I think the biggest thing for him is, is his vision. He cannot see the hole. There was that goal line carry. All he had to do was run towards the right, where the there was a quick opening, and he ran right into the back of his offensive lineman, where he got stuffed. And it's just things like that, where it's like the Trent Richardson syndrome, where you know, I, I get he has the ability, but he doesn't have the vision to to know where he's running, and he runs right into tacklers instead of away from them. And it really reared its ugly head in this uh, game against the Titans, even in the victory. Uh, it's it's sad when you have a victory like that and uh, you have a performance like that from your running back. My second ghost of the week is for the Bills against the Cardinals. And you're probably thinking, was it Devin Singletary? Is it uh, Zach Moss? Who was it? Well, this also gives away my number one ghost of the week because it's both of them. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are my number two-in-one ghosts of the week at running back. Zach Moss had seven carries for 20 yards, not even three yards a carry, had one catch for minus three yards, and Devin Singletary wasn't any better. He was four carries for 15 yards, was targeted five times, five times, had one catch for nine, negative five yards. I... I mean, when you have combined two catches for negative eight yards from the running back position, but on top of that, you know, 11 carries for 35 yards, that's just not getting it done. And I don't know what's going on with the the Bills and their rushing offense, but really Josh Allen needs to carry the running game because basically he is. And uh, you thought this would be a good performance from Zach Moss, really taking the reins from Devin Singletary, and it didn't happen. Just in general, they, they both looked pretty awful. And thus, those are our Ghosts of the Week of Week 10. Our Wide Receiver Ghosts of the Week. This one wasn't very hard either. Um, you know, there wasn't t- too many amazing w- Wide Receiver performances this week. And here's our bottom three that I thought uh, was the most significant. Number three Ghosts of the Week, A.J. Brown versus the Colts. Four, targeted four times, had one catch for 21 yards. And there was one where he had a perfect catch. It was going to be like a you know, huge touchdown play, and he dropped it. And that's unfortunate for A.J. Brown because they lost the game, and now they're in a tailspin, and they're currently out of a playoff spot. Uh, and A.J. Brown, in this performance, you know, you knew it was going to be a tough matchup, but he didn't help himself by having that drop. That could have really changed the game around. And to be honest, that could have made him – with the performances this week, could have made him one of our ghosts. I mean, that's how uh, much of a flip that was. Uh, Regardless, he's our number three ghost of the week. Number two is Curtis Samuel, and I put that there just because I thought he was going to have a pretty big game like he had a couple weeks ago, and especially with McCaffrey getting hurt again and not playing, that they would rely on him for some carries, and he would have a pretty good game. But nope, he's targeted five times, only had three catches for eight yards, and carried the ball three times for four yards. So barely over a yard a carry. Just a pretty bad performance in general for Curtis Samuel. And, you know, it was against the Buccaneers, who have a pretty good run defense. But the Panthers had to get the ball somewhere, and they just couldn't get the ball really to anybody. So disappointing day for Curtis Samuel and you just expected better my number one ghost of the week where you really expected better was Travis Fulgham he was at the Giants and I get you know if you're the Giants and you have James Bradbury you're probably putting him on Fulgham more than anybody because that's where the ball's going that's who's getting all the targets Uh, Jalen Rager was there you thought maybe he would do something But nobody did anything. He was targeted five times, had one catch for eight yards. So really, they shut him down completely, and the Eagles had no response. They had nowhere else to go with the ball uh, outside of a Boston Scott 63-yard touchdown run. Uh, The Eagles weren't able to do much. And credit the Giants' defense uh, for this, but uh, it's not really Travis Fulgham-type numbers that you're used to, especially the way he's been kind of dominating the league since they uh, gave him his shot. And the, the feel-good story, uh, not that it's ended, but it definitely took a, uh, uh, it took a nap during uh, this weekend end matchup against the Giants. <laughs> now, moving on to our tight end, Ghosts of the Week. This pains me this one's a little more painful than even talking about the goats of the week at tight end. And the reason for this is because two of the ghosts of the week at tight end, which means they've had the worst performances at tight end of the week, were predicted to be stars of the week in the last podcast before the week, uh, was played. So that means I thought two of these tight ends were going to have the best weeks, uh, at the tight end position for week 10. And obviously they didn't. They were far from it. They were horrible. And I, I puked in my mouth a little bit. I'm not proud about it. And I I, I don't know what happened to these tight ends. Uh, Noah Fant was our number three Ghost of the Week at the Raiders. He wasn't on the list, uh, but he could have been because I really, you know, the, the Raiders have done a better job at guarding the tight end than the last year, but I figured he would get a lot of volume, especially with Albert O being on the injured reserve He was targeted seven times, only had three catches for 18 yards. And that goes back to the fact that Drew Locke just can't hit anybody. Uh, He's not accurate, he's missing Judy, he's missing uh, Fant. So Noah Fant is our number three ghost of the week. Number two, Evan Ingram versus the Eagles. He was targeted three times, had two catches for 15 yards. And this was the make or break, because I said, you know, this is a good matchup for him. He's going to get over the schneid of not performing in big matchups, and he's going to be relevant again, especially the week before. And he disappointed us. He disappointed all of us. And I will never be on the Evan Ingram train again. No matter how good his matchup is, I just, you know, I'm like, oh, they're starting to use Evan Ingram more. He's getting more targets. He's more of a a focal point of their offense. Throw that all out the window. Evan Ingram was atrocious. And this was in a win, even. So... I don't know what to say. Evan Ingram, you were, you know, you were my shooting star, and now you're a fallen star because I am done with you. My number one, even worse, T.J. Hawkinson. He was my number one star of the week. I thought he'd have the best week, and he turned out to be, well, basically end up to have the worst week. Four targets, two catches for 13 yards. So I went from thinking he was going to have the best week to him only getting 13 yards. That's a little bit, that's just barely over a first down. T.J. Hawkinson, I expect more from you, especially in this matchup against the the Washington football team. They've been atrocious at defending the tight ends. You are a tight end that gets volume. It didn't make sense. Sometimes fantasy doesn't make sense. Sometimes games don't make sense. This is one of those that just doesn't make sense. So thank you, T.J. Hawkinson. You made me look bad, and I will not forgive you for this. You're our number one ghost of the week. It's Park and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get it started. All right, here it is, the fun part of the show, the pickups to up segment, where we tell you everyone to pick up for the week to help your fantasy football team. Pick the top three at each position that you need to be targeting. Number three at quarterback, and I'll be honest, this is kind of a, a tough week at quarterback, not uh, not a lot that I would waste a waiver priority for, but nonetheless, number three is P.J. Walker. If you're in a two-quarterback league or you're hurt by bye weeks, um, Teddy Bridgewater was hurt. He hurt his knee at the end of the game against the Buccaneers. A defender hit him below on the back of the knee. He had uh, an MRI. There's no structural damage, so P.J. Walker will be the guy. And, I mean... P.G. Walker is a good, you know, dual-threat quarterback. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. Now, how well he does that at the NFL level, that's something, you know, he didn't look good against the Buccaneers, but he also didn't have time to prepare. So I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, But he definitely would be the guy to to target in case Teddy Bridgewater doesn't play because they're playing the Detroit Lions. And I could probably have my mom go out there and play quarterback against the Lions, and she could probably get 200 yards and three touchdowns. So uh, I definitely like my odds better with P.J. Walker than my mom, so I'm going with him as my number three. Number two quarterback is somebody else who has a good matchup, Kirk Cousins. I know you saw him today. And he, you know, he threw two touchdowns to Adam Thielen against the Bears defense. Well, this time he plays the Cowboys, and I like what he will be able to do against this Cowboys secondary. You have Thielen, you have Jefferson. I think this is going to be a dominant performance, at least a top, I'd say it's going to be a top six performance for Cousins. And uh, you can get that off, you know, if you have waiver or uh, bye week issues with your quarterback or injury. Um... He's a good plug-and-play this week uh, for that reason. So he's my number two. Need to pick him up. And then number one, we all know about Drew Brees and his broken ribs and punctured lung. Um, We're we're sad about that, but uh, obviously Jameis Winston needs to be your number one pickup at quarterback. He can sling it. He throws it a lot. You know, he might throw three interceptions a game, but uh, he also has the capabilities of throwing you know, three or four touchdowns a game as well. You know, for 400 yards, he has a talent. So he's he's definitely the number one pickup because he'll be manning that Saints offense until Drew Brees gets back. And Drew Brees probably won't be back until the playoffs. Uh, if you need to get into the playoffs, he could be a good pickup. And uh, he definitely will be capable of you know letting your team compete. Uh, if you know, like I said, if you're fighting for that playoff spot, so. Jameis Winston, get him. He's available in every single league. He'll definitely be a hot waiver pickup. Running back, my number three is Alex Collins for the Seahawks. Now I get Chris Carson might come back, but Chris Carson's been on the fringe for a while now. Alex Collins looks good. I like the, the way he ran the ball. He ran the ball hard. You know, I liked him when he played for the Ravens uh, a couple years ago. Uh, he was a hard, you know, he was a hard running back then. So. I, uh, he definitely looked better than DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. Uh, I like the way the Seahawks used him. So if Carson can't go, I think Collins is the guy to have. And why not have him on your bench, uh, in, in case that's the, you know, in case that happens. Because, uh, the one thing about the Seahawks is they like to use their running backs in the passing game. You know, they, they get a lot, a big workload and, uh, Alex Collins is capable of uh, of doing that number two is the surprise it's the reason why the Dolphins released Jordan Howard it's Salvon Ahmed for the Dolphins you know those Dolphins are fond of those Washington Husky running backs with uh, Gaskins and now Ahmed he looked great against the Chargers he got a touchdown run uh, he definitely looked a lot more solid than uh, what Jordan Howard was able to do and I think he's worth the pickup until Miles Gaskins gets off IR and here's the thing even when Miles Gaskins gets off IR I still think it might be a split with him and uh, Salvin Ahmed so even when Gaskins gets back, Ahmed can still be a valuable fantasy football play so just for that reason alone you definitely need him on your roster and good things can happen uh, especially as you try to make this push for a playoff spot because there's only a couple weeks left of uh, the regular season before the playoffs start and you want uh, you want every worthy piece on your roster that you can get. Number one, he had an amazing game, two touchdowns. Naheem Hines, he is the guy for the Colts. Now, I'm not saying I trust him uh, to be you know a consistent workhorse back. They're still going to use Jonathan Taylor. They're still going to use uh, Wilkins. M- my big thing between both of them is or all three of them I should say is I don't know when they're going to use any of them but I do know that Naheem Hines is good and when they do use him there's more than likely good things are going to happen more so than with the other running backs so give me Naheem Hines all day um I think it's you know he always was getting targeted in the passing game but I think his running volume increases especially as he's proving to be the best back And he needs to be the number one go-to guy for this Colts team because they play a great defense, and nothing uh, complements a great defense more than a great running game. Wide receiver, number three. I kind of talked about him during our recap. Jakeem Grant for the Dolphins. I just really like him. He's going to be the number two receiver. And, you know, especially if you have kick return yards, in your league. I'm in a lot of leagues that have that. Uh, Jakeem Grant is great because he is the Dolphins' kick returner and he's explosive at doing that as well. So I think he's a great play. Uh, this Dolphins' offense is coming alive. So pick up Jake, Jakeem Grant because, you know, outside of Devontae Parker, they don't have anyone else to really throw to. The Marcus Robinson is the next guy for the Chiefs. The Marcus Robinson. Uh, Sammy Watkins is hurt. McCole Hardman, you know, he got hurt. Uh, that's all that's left is Demarcus Robinson, and in that type of offense, as explosive as as it is, I will, I think he's a great play week in and week out. When you have Mahomes throwing you the ball, just plug whoever can get a target from Patrick Mahomes and expect good things to happen. That's how it's going to be with Demarcus Robinson. You need to pick him up. Chiefs receiver. uh, Number one, and this is crazy, but uh, it's Josh Reynolds for the Rams. He is getting more targets than Bobby Trees and Cooper Cup. I had to look that up myself. But the last two weeks he's had like 14 targets. That's a real deal, like you follow the targets. You need to get guys that are getting high target volumes, and right now it's Josh Reynolds. You know, Jared Goff threw for 300 yards last week against the uh, Seahawks. Sorry, <laughs> and Cooper Cup and Bobby Trees didn't have that good of a game. It's because Josh Reynolds did. He had the good game. So keep though or so pick him up. Number one waiver priority. He needs to be the guy that you get. Especially, like I said, you're making this push for the playoffs, there's only a couple games left, he could really make the difference. Any receiver getting 14 targets uh, needs to be on your roster. Now moving to the tight ends, this one's a little bit tougher. Number three, I thought outside the box a little bit on this one. I have Taysom Hill for the Saints, because with Drew Brees going down, I expect to see a lot more of Taysom Hill. Behind, you know, under center, running the ball, catching the ball, he's eligible in a lot of leagues as a tight end slash quarterback. So if you're able to slide him into the tight end position, that's a great play, and he could definitely win you some leagues, uh, or I should say week match weekly matchups by plugging him into your tight end spot with what he can do uh, in the Saints offense. I just expect him to be utilized more. This gives Sean Payton his chance to do a lot of the things he he didn't do because uh, Drew Brees being in in you know uh, uh, being uh, under center. You need to pick up Taysom Hill. I think he's worth the risk. Number two, Tyler Higbee for the Rams. I get it. He finally had a decent game again last week. You know, his best game he's had since his three touchdown game, and now he's relevant again. But I think there's something to this. I would keep playing, or I would pick him up. Tight end has been just so abysmal the last couple of weeks with production that anyone getting the targets that Higby got last week and the yards um, is worth a, a speculative pickup. And I get it; you don't want to be chasing points because then you're always going to be missing out on them. And that's true to a certain extent, especially with tight end. But the whole Higby, you, you got to at least give him a chance. He he was supposed to be you know, having a better season than he did, well, there's still some time left for him to uh, to make up for some of that. And my number one Washington football team, and this is because Alex Smith is going to be the starting quarterback, it's Logan Thomas. He wasn't utilized very much, and I'm, I like his usage under Alex Smith. I think he's going to be relevant again. He's dropped in a lot of leagues. Well, go pick him back up. This reminds me of last year where Adrian Peterson was a non-factor with uh, Jay Gruden, and then Jay Gruden got fired, and all of a sudden, Adrian Peterson started getting a lot of carries for the, the, the Washington football team. I think uh, Logan Thomas with Alex Smith, is, it's going to be kind of that scenario where uh, Logan Thomas wasn't utilized very much. Now that Alex Smith is the quarterback, he likes to go to tight ends. It's really going to increase Logan Thomas's uh, uh, targets, uh, weekly targets, and it couldn't come at a better time because tight ends have just been abysmal. Uh, you're making that playoff push; you need someone to p- produce anything, anything at all. Uh, I mean, my matchup last week, I had a guy that you know had 1.8 points with Fant, and I played a guy that uh, had like three points. We both probably weren't really happy with our tight end performances. In fact, I know we both weren't really happy with our tight end performances. So uh, Logan Thomas can can help alleviate some of that uh, that uh, sadness you're feeling for the position so far in the last couple weeks. That does it for today's podcast. It's Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montabon fantasy football podcast. I am Ms. the Wiz Montabon. And we just put week 10 to bed, tucked it in, gave it a kiss, good night, and now it's on to week 11. So join us in the next couple days as we do all the week 11 analysis and opinions, and we'll catch you then. Cheers.